0: lead others, and never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence.
1: Father Casey, it is great to have you with me today. How are you, my man? Oh, man, I can't complain. God is good. It's awesome uh, to be here and uh, to connect with you and to uh, be a part of your podcast today.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you. I was just thinking a bit ago before we started, I think I've had a number of podcasts with priests, but I think only the same two priests. So I think you're only the third priest to ever come on the Seeking Excellence podcast, which is kind of wild.
1: Wow, that is, that's cool. Well, I'm, I'm honored to be one of the three.
2: Yeah, it's great to have you. So just background for everybody else before I have you introduce yourself is, Father Casey, we met, if you I know you remember, obviously, but two years ago when I was getting out of the army, I applied to a ton of different jobs. I didn't know what I would get offers for <laughs> and where I would, you know, kind of fit in and fall in. And um, yeah, I interviewed with you to be
1: youth minister at St. Elizabeth Seton. That's right. St. 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 Elizabeth Seton here in Florida. Naples. And, uh, and we tried to snag you, but we couldn't get our claws on you. So <laughs> that's right.
2: It was close. Though. It was tempting. I mean, I remember uh, then, uh, just think about how awesome you were and just all the stuff that was going on at the parish. I was really excited about the opportunity and, uh, yeah, it was tempting. It was tempting for sure. I ended up going with the dynamic Catholic. That was like my dream, my dream gig up there. But yeah, St. Louis the Sea was a close, close second.
1: That's cool. That's cool. That's awesome. We have a, we have a good time down here and down here in sunny Naples.
2: No doubt about it. So yeah. So Father, if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce where you're from. Sure. So
1: being a priest. Yeah. So my name is Father Casey Jones, uh, as, as you guys have heard. And I'm, first of all, I'm a, I'm a rarity and that's that I'm a native Floridian. Uh, there's there's very few of us out there. When you're from Florida, everyone says, where No, where are you know where you're from? Really? No, I'm really from Florida. My right. family's, my family's been here for nine generations. So wow, uh, we've been here for almost 300 years. So I'm, I'm, I'm a true native Floridian. I was born at the hospital that is about, mm, about seven miles from my parish, <laughs> which no is way. so, so it's wild. So it's, so I tell people I am the prophet without welcome in his native place. Uh, but it's it's no. I love I love my people. I love I love being here. So I've been a priest. of The dice I'm a priest of the diocese of Venice in Florida. So I'm not a religious son of The diocesan mm-hmm. priest, and I've been ordained for uh, over nine years now, which is uh, kind of hard to think. I used to think of myself as the young priest, but then I realized, like, dude, you hit forty. That's not young anymore. Then I'm like, well, at least I'm newly ordained. Like no, bro, you're pushing ten years. You can't pull that card <laughs> okay. anymore either. So, uh, so here I am. I am. I am a parish priest, uh, and I've, um, before uh, entering the seminary, I did a year with uh, NET Ministries, the National Evangelization Teams, traveled around and did um, retreats for young people for a year and fell in love with the Lord even more, and uh, with that, decided that it was uh, time to get off my butt and enter the seminary, Uh, so I did, and it was kind of a long, winding road for me, and I love it. Uh, I've I've been... um, Passionately involved in, in ministry and evangelization. I'm currently finishing up a degree, a, a licentiate in the new evangelical with a focus on the new evangelization, uh, ultimately bestowed by uh, the um, Angelicum in Rome. But the classes and everything conferred, the course are done through Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit. So I have a real passion and zeal for evangelization. Um, one of my uh, uh, favorite. It's, it's, it's my passion. It's what I do, right? I'm supposed to be, as have, hopefully it's all of our passions. I mean, we as, as Christians have a fundamental duty uh, to evangelize. You know, it's not, it's not just the priest that's supposed to evangelize. Uh, it's every Christian. We have that's the, If you're a disciple of Jesus, that's your job. Go make disciples. So that's what I really try to, to be about. Uh, in my time of uh, priesthood, I've, I've been mostly a parish priest, but I was uh, three years full-time Chaplain at Bishop Verot High School in Fort Myers, and I am in fact still chaplain of Bishop Verot High School in Fort Myers, and chaplain of Florida Gulf Coast University as well, our local, our local state university. So I do have a passion in my own heart for ministering uh, to young people, for being a part in their lives um, when I can. Although the past two years, because of the pandemic, I haven't. I, I often am contracted by uh, Life Team to be one of their camp priests at uh, at Camp uh, Hidden Lake or, or Camp Covecrest. Uh, so I really all these. Organizations that do so much to reach our young people have a special place in my heart and uh, in my life and my ministry. So that's me. I'm Father Casey. What's up? <laughs> that's
2: awesome. <laughs> so obviously not a ton of downtime. I think that's something that has been <laughs> the, the, uh, the theme of the priest that I've had on the show so far is that um, you're all very difficult to schedule with because you're all very busy and have several full time jobs.
1: It's fun, though, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, in my downtime, I sleep in, in, uh, and play with my dog. Those are my, <laughs> those are my downtime activities. That's amazing. I used to fish. I love fishing. I love boating. I just don't have time for it anymore. Right. No, I totally get that.
2: I think it's really awesome. And, and I was talking about Father Jonathan Meyer, who's on our board of directors, is one of my favorite uh, favorite people in the world. I was talking about him last night on Instagram Live. And I think you you have similar a lot of similar traits with him. Um, one of which I think is just kind of that hustle spirit that I think is missing in a lot of priests um, and and a lot of lay people, for sure. I'm not definitely not just dog and priests, but missing in a lot of lay people and a lot of priests these days of like this kind of just hustle attitude of like being zealous for souls and the salvation of souls and and wanting to get the gospel out there.
1: Yeah, you know, one thing I'll I'll, I'll agree with you in, in this in this respect is that and I know we're going to be obviously going to be diving into topics, so I'll just give a little teaser right now because we're sure. going to talk about spiritual war, warfare. You know, I used to think that the big battle in the church, especially in the United States, was this thing of uh, orthodoxy versus heterodoxy. And, and, and I'm not going to say that's not there. I'm not going to say that like there's people that don't understand or don't want to articulate or want to deviate from the teachings of the church. I'm, I'm not going to say that's not a thing. It's a thing. But I sure. think the biggest problem in the church right now, my brother, is apathy. Is there's just a number of, of uh, most Catholics and most clergy these days just seem to not be zealous for souls and and, and not care and they seem to be in in, in kind of a, a maintenance mode and kind of in this in this um, post pandemic world that we live in we're really seeing a lot of the fruits of that right and uh, so I so I hope that in these unprecedented times as we keep hearing over and over again yeah. I really hope that you know, that at least maybe one positive fruit of this could be that it motivates people to really be concerned about reaching people and saving souls and and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of books that have kind of have become my theme of the year here in 2021, one of which is A Church in Crisis by Ralph Martin, and another one is From Christendom to Apostolic Age. And I think that's another thing that we're kind of looking at, and what you just kind of mentioned of being in this maintenance mode, right? Of people are in this maintenance mode because you could be in a time of Christendom, right. And your church, and people would still come to the parish and people would still give money and people would still volunteer. You didn't really have to do anything or be special or be any type of like exceptional holiness, you know, or you really any level of holiness. You just had to kind of continue to do your job, show up when they told you to and wear the right thing. Most of the time, not even always wear the right thing, right. Like Or say the right things. You just kind of did whatever you felt and it just kind of worked out, but that's not really the case anymore.
1: No, I think what's happened is when we look at what's gone on with the world, and um, everyone talks right now about the rise of the nuns, uh, not N-U-N-S, N-O-N-E-S, the rise of the unaffiliated box in terms of religious preference that people that people are checking these days and how that's, that's the fastest growing religious demographic. In fact, and, and from them, they're usually Catholic. So one could say that the fastest growing religious demographic in the United States right now is former Catholic. But here's the Father Casey Jones uh, interpretation of, of, of what's going on is there was a time when good people went to church. That's what good people did. Good people went to church or synagogue. Good people attended religious services at least once a week. Good people, you know, did what fulfilled, whatever the requirements of, of, of their Christian denomination mostly were. And so you had a societal pressure to do these things to, because this is what good people do. Well, now as societal pressure has fallen apart from that, has, has, has taken back and as, as secular society more and more said, we don't need God. We don't need religion. We don't need the church. Um, now there's no longer a societal pressure. So the people who were never really, if you will, all in it for the Lord in the first place, that were kind of just going down the road, following, following the person in front of them, going through uh, the cultural, the, the, this, this experience of cultural Catholicism, now they're backing out because why, why, why am I doing this? What's, what, what's the point? It, it does nothing for me in society. Right. So this is now where it's the church's turn to step up and say, this is why a life with Christ makes a difference.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that is so intriguing, especially when you read books like From Christian to an Apostolic Age, is they talk about, and, and I know Emily was just talking about Archbishop Aquila here in Denver talking about this recently at their diocesan retreat, is that back in the day, typically when people think of an apostolic age, you're typically thinking about people who have no knowledge of God, or they don't know about Christianity, or they don't have access to learning about the gospel. But now what, what's so different about our time is exactly what you just said. Is a lot of times it's people who have known that, who might have even been raised in that, and are rejecting it anyways. And so now you're kind of making a, a second effort of trying to evangelize people who the, the hardest part is that they're a quarter evangelized, but feel like they fully have experience and know everything about the faith and have chosen to reject it
1: anyway when it's really like, dude, you don't know anything about this stuff. That was like the meme I went, I saw a meme of, of, uh, of it was of Martin Luther nailing his uh, his 95 thesis to the door at the cathedral. Mm-hmm. And it began with, as someone who went to Catholic school, I say, because <laughs> 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 we do, we deal and I, I look, I- That's I, so funny. I, yeah, I, I'm a chaplain of a high school, and I'm the senior administrator of my parish school, and so I, I support and love Catholic education. But we, we have a lot of folks that think that they have been fully catechized and 100% evangelized, where they've only been, like you said, a, I, I'd say a quarter catechized and probably not evangelized at all. Right. And uh, so it's it's a it's a it's a real a real pressing thing in um, a real difficult situation. But this is kind of the point of what of what I when I I think why you invited me on here is I I wrote. I'm writing my licentiate um, uh, thesis on evangelization as spiritual warfare, because I think it's time for the church to understand that proclaiming the word of God is an engagement with the angelic realm. There's an engagement with, with the powers of good and evil. And so when, it, 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 but the, the, I think the first thing that, that people need to realize, Nathan, is there's a war going on. There's a war going on for the salvation of souls. Right. And I think too many of us are unafraid to even go there to think about it, much less to engage with it.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, you know, it's an intriguing time to be recording this because I often make this example, but I think that now with what's currently happening on the world stage, it's even more relevant is I always say, you know, it's really dangerous to forget that there's a war going on when you're in the midst of it or when you're threatened by it and the ones you love are threatened by it. But that's really but well, the devil's been so effective of, of getting so many people to believe. And I think the right. same thing was true in Afghanistan for a long time, right? People mm. kind of forgot over the last 10 years. It's kind of like, yeah, we're, we're kind of still doing that. You know, like we're not really, like everybody's kind of campaigning Obama, um, Trump, Biden campaigning on pulling troops out of Afghanistan. And finally it happens. And now it's obviously just a shit show over there. And now everybody's kind of like, what are we going to do? You know, and, and we're starting, everybody's kind of waking up to it again. Why? Because now we're threatened and we realize yeah. that we're threatened. The difference I think in what's so interesting in the spiritual warfare realm is that you're kind of always like at, at threat. Right. And if you're not actually engaged, if you're not actually being shot at in the spiritual warfare that's going on, then you're even more in danger. That's the interesting part of it, right? Is you're only getting attacked you're only getting pushed back and actually like preyed upon if you're actually doing something offensive for the sake of the kingdom of God. If you're not, and you're just kind of like casually drifting into hell and away from God, then there's no need. The devil doesn't need to come and pursue you, attack need, you. So it's kind of opposite in that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's just kind of like they can just numb you. The devil can just
1: numb you because you're most at risk when you're least attacked. If that makes sense. Right. Right. And and the you know, the thing about the the attacks of the devil is, here's the bottom line: is it's it's a uh, about spiritual warfare. Is the devil's fighting a losing battle, right? So you don't have to be afraid of the mm-hmm. devil. Like if you are a Christian, and you're, especially if you're, if, you're, if you're remaining in a state of grace and you're, and you're pushing, you're frequenting the sacraments, you know, you're, you're, you're staying grounded in the teaching of Christ and his church, um, the devil the devil can't do anything to you. I mean, there are things that can influence in your life around you, but ultimately you will have victory in Jesus Christ. And, 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 and the battle of spiritual warfare, um, you know, the battle of good and evil is a battle of light and darkness. You know, we don't believe in a yin and a yang. Uh, where there's these equal powers, where it says right. light in the darkness, when light enters the room, the darkness has no choice, uh, but, but to leave. And so the powers of hell flee and tremble, uh, at, at the very name of Jesus. But we do need to understand though, that when you are proclaiming the gospel, when you're fighting for the kingdom, yeah, yeah, you are definitely ticking off the powers of darkness. Like there's, there's no question. They're, they're, yeah. they're going to be mad and they're going to retaliate. And, uh, uh, you know, one example we see of this um, is, is in the gospel. In Mark's gospel, Jesus goes to preach in the synagogue. And what happens? A demoniac starts yelling at him and freaking out and screaming
0: mm-hmm. and all
1: of these things going on. Now, I don't know. Maybe there's a chance that that could have been an everyday occurrence in the synagogue. We don't really know. We can't really infer that from the from the context of the scripture. But I'm guessing that that was a little out of the norm for them. Right. That wasn't something <laughs> that yeah. You know, I mean, I think that like when you know when Elder Tobias got up and and read from the Torah, that likely demons weren't screaming, but th- that that's the whole point: is the demons had no reason to scream until Jesus Christ came in and he and he preached with authority. The the, the word right. uh, Mark's Gospel uses for that authority is exosia. so that when when Jesus spoke with this exosia, boom! Like the the, the like the, the the powers of darkness woke up, but also they had no they had no choice, uh, but, but, but to be subjective to him. And if you remember what they said to him, they said, Jesus, son of God, or, um, or Jesus, son of David, I'm trying to remember which one it was. I have to pull up the passage in front of me. But the, the question is, are you, have you been sent here to destroy us? Spoiler alert. The answer is yes. Yes, he was. <laughs> yes. yes, he has. He has come to kick your tail and to take names and, and he's done. And, 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 and so, that, so right away, like in, in Mark's Gospel, you see this whole setup that Jesus comes in. This is why, if you ever look at Mark, um, if you look at the, the depictions of um, of the evangelist, Mark is always depicted as as a lion. Why? Because mm-hmm. Jesus is the lion. Jesus is just this ba character that just comes in, roars, right, upsets the powers of darkness, and, and causes him to flee and destroys him. So, but I think it's important for Christians to realize: one, if you are proclaiming the gospel, you are gonna you are gonna piss off the powers of hell. Uh, but two, if you're proclaiming the gospel, the powers of hell have no dominion and have no power over you and can't right. control you. So it's, it, so there's, there's this, this tension. And I would say that's a tension that's integral, integral to the life of a Christian. We should expect it. And we need to know that it's real and we need yeah. to engage. with it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I always say, you know, it's, it's very similar to going back to the soldier comparison, you know, and talking about battle. It's like when I remember my first night in the post when i got to jalalabad in afghanistan to jalalabad airfield it was our first night there and that's where we knew we were kind of going and where we were replacing the unit that we were replacing and it was our first day when we got there it was i mean been like 10 minutes off the plane and the mortar sirens go off and we got like our first mortar attack in afghanistan it was like our third day there but our first day at the base that we were staying at like indefinitely and you know i always, i often look at the adversity or, or spiritual warfare of the christian to be like, this is, this is expected. Like, what do you, what do you think was going to happen? Like when you got over here, right? No, nope, We weren't in the bunker. Like, I can't believe this. Like what is going on? This is unthinkable. You know, it's like, no, yeah, this is what war is like now. Oh yeah. Know? We like, jumped in the middle of a war zone. Like, right, yeah, yeah, so, war. So this is going to happen. Yeah. This is going to happen every now and then. And so you have to yeah. kind of have that. We don't really, I think have that experience, but one question I want to ask you father is for you, sure. obviously with what you're saying of, of people who proclaim the gospel and you being a, priests priest is, is a pretty good way to proclaim the gospel you do it every day right. um and so um how have you experienced spiritual warfare because i feel like a lot of times when it's talked about it's often talked about in like talks with men and we're battle and you know yeah. spiritual warfare and all these things and it's kind of abstract but like can you talk about any ways maybe that you personally or stories that you've heard or what are some concrete ways where you could say if somebody's like how do i know if i'm experiencing spiritual warfare what right. is it? What is it like? What are some of the tangible aspects of yeah.
1: it? So rarely will I say the spiritual warfare look like something you would see in 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 the in the exorcist movies, right? Right. Um, you know what, what I call the extraordinary manifestations of 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 the powers of evil, where you have people who are, um, you know, and we have saints. We have saints that were severely oppressed by the devil. The devil would, would torment saints like Padre Pio or Saint John Vianney, right? If you ever read their stories, like the devil would set their bed on fire, like. Um, you know, they'd be physically assaulted uh, by demons and and stuff like that. I have not experienced that in my life. Okay. Um, Have there been moments in my life where maybe, you know, something kind of supernatural is going on that, um, that looks strange. Like, you know, some, you know, something falls off the wall or something. Yeah. There've been, I've had a few little moments like that, but I think really what we need to look at in our life is how the devil tempts us every day. And it's really through, through temptations more than anything else, I'll find that that's, that's really where we see, see the devil moving in us. And so it's little things like, um, gosh, my alarm's going off. You know, I have to pray. I have to get to mass. I have to pray before I go to mass. And, and the devil's saying, well, you know, uh, you know, you don't really need that extra prayer time. You could just, you could just show up and wing it this morning. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really where you see where you see the power of the devil or you know why are you putting why, why are just like you talked before about um about this whole idea of like <laughs> being out there like doing something like caring and having passion and zeal for the salvation of souls for me it's very tempting to say you know what just sit back and uh, watch netflix today uh, you know, the, yeah, there's other things you could be doing, but why don't you just chill on the couch <laughs> instead? Uh, from from like the the serious temptations that we that we get in life, you know, where where as a priest, uh, you know, as a priest, I'm, I'm a celibate man and I'm celibate for the kingdom of God and I'm I'm happy in my vocation. Let me be very clear because there's some people that act they, they apologize for my celibacy. You know, like, you, know you know, there's like people, yeah, no. you know, father, I really think you should be able to get married. Now they don't do that as much after you're a They did it to me when I was a seminarian all the time. It was like very apologetically. Like, I'm so sorry. Like I told them someone died, like, you know, really? first time to be a free... oh yeah, they were, they were really weird about it. And like, no. So first of all, I want to say, I am happy in my vocation. I'm fulfilled by my vocation. Uh, my love for the people of God is, is, is real. And, and the love I receive from them and, and, and the fruitfulness of my ministry brings me a lot of joy now, but if I'm going to be real with you, there's going to be moments in my life where I'm lonely. There's going to be moments in my life where I'm sad and I'm tired. And guess what? i talked to a lot of married, married women and men, and they go through the same thing. So right. it's not, <laughs> it, it happens. It's a thing. And, but wait, it, there's no perfect vocation where you're just, there's no, there's no vocation things are yeah, where you're, where you're going to, where you're going to feel the joy all the time. Where you are going to experience this aspect. No, no, there's not, there's not, it doesn't happen, but there are those moments where you know, I, I might be tempted this to, to to sin against purity. I might be tempted to uh, let my emotional guard down with with with, with someone and kind of um, uh, you know violate some kind of boundary. Um, there's this moments where um, you know, constantly in today's society, right, we're we're bombarded with with images that aren't that are pure in nature. So there's a tempt the temptation to not have custody of the eyes um, and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. So I'll say that, and these are the everyday struggles of, of spiritual warfare that i encounter but there are some days where you can just tell like um i gotta you know if, if i'm getting ready to do something um good and i i find it more often than not in, in, in the confession you know i'm getting ready to go over to confession it just seems like everything in the world fights to put me in a bad mood before i celebrate the sacraments mm. why because the enemy wants me to be distracted uh because i i believe wholeheartedly that for me as a priest and really for anyone though the sacraments are where we experience spiritual warfare because that's where we that's where we declare god's victory and if you look at everything about the old we can talk about this specifically if you'd like to um the liturgy and the sacraments are spiritual warfare they Mm. because they they declare christ's victory over the power over the power of darkness um and i give some examples of that if you'd like
2: that'd be awesome let me i just want to jump in real quick uh and just say you know going back to the the priesthood thing and I don't want to derail yeah. us into this but yeah. I just, just felt called to say this is I remember getting to a certain place where I felt like was a, another I don't know if you could say level of spiritual maturity but just yeah. deepening you know what I mean in my spiritual maturity and just was really grateful once I was really set after discerning the priesthood in college and was really set you know on uh feeling like God was calling me to to marriage and family life yeah but just like having this almost jealousy is not a good word because it's not a virtue you know but like yeah. almost like a jealousy or envy of what priests can do and it really transformed my mm-hmm. view of the priesthood it transformed my view of of you guys who are priests um of religious sisters you know what i mean like mm-hmm. of all types of religious uh vocations and just seeing that and being like man like you get to be in the confessional you get to celebrate mass you can do all this stuff you know i'm just like that would yeah. be awesome and, and i think it's great for us both to have that like healthy right almost like not jealousy but you know what
1: i mean just kind of like man just appreciation admiration for the for the exactly. respected vocations absolutely i mean look being a husband and a father the, the whole concept of it is extremely appealing to me uh, right. as as a priest but again you talk about warfare warfare is when it turns into a pity party oh you know why is why why is this why is this vocation seem better today uh than, than 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 the one that i have and, right um and that, like I said, that's, and I think that's anything that leads us to question ourselves or question what God has obviously done for us in our lives is, is always the, in my opinion, is always the enemy at work.
2: Yeah. And yeah, and just comparison too, you know, just comparison, yeah. I always say, either makes you feel too good or too bad. <laughs> that's <laughs> so right. So it's just good to avoid it. Um, the thief
1: of all joy comparison is. Exactly.
2: So let's talk about the, the things that you can do that I can't. Let's talk about how the liturgy and the sacrament,
1: I get to participate. Yeah. You know, You're, but- yeah, you participated in it, but so if, so if we look at the um, background of the Eucharist, so for example, I'll just give you an example, and this is how, this is how the Eucharist is spiritual warfare, and I'll give you a, 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 just a, a few cases, and let's we, we go back way back into the Old Testament. So right away, when I think about the Eucharist, there are two uh, archetypes, if you will, that I could find, or two types I could find in the, in the Old Testament uh, that point to the Eucharist. The first is obvious, right? It's the Passover meal. I mean, literally the Eucharist was instituted in the middle of the Passover meal, the Passover mm-hmm. meal, the Passover lamb clearly points to Jesus. And I could give you, we could do a whole podcast on that and why that is, but I think most of us can probably accept that right now. Like the, the Passover was a foreshadowing of what Jesus Christ was going to do for us, but what was the celebration of Passover? And if you look at the conversation between God and Moses and between Pharaoh and Moses, you know, God said that I am going to exercise judgment upon the gods of Egypt. Mm. And if you look at the the ten plagues of the of the Egyptians, uh, the ten plagues on the Egyptians, uh, many scholars, Scott Hahn would be one of them, uh, and there are others before him, say that every one of those plagues corresponds to an Egyptian god. In other words, the act of 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 what was going on there is God showing dominion over the false gods, over the demonic gods of Egypt. And so He's He's crushing them. He's saying that they don't have any power. And what was the last one? Is is God sends, sends his angel of death. He's the one that, that brings life and death and no one else. And he is God and and we are his people. And this is what this is this is the context of Passover. Now you combine this with the fact that when we celebrate Mass, we call to mind in a way that makes present. That makes present the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his passion, his death, and his resurrection, which is the way by which the powers of darkness themselves were defeated. On top of that, another archetype we see for for um, um, Jesus in the Old Testament, that especially is brought out in the Book of Hebrews, is when uh, Abraham meets this kind of enigmatic figure named Melchizedek who is a, a high priest who offers bread and wine, but where does he do it? On the battlefield. That's where he, me, that's literally where he comes into this figure of Melchizedek and that, and the, the idea is that bread and wine were seen as offerings of victory. So again, we see that the, that, wow. that, the the, the, the Old Testament background of the Holy sacrifice of the mass is that 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 it is an action of spiritual warfare, and you think about all the things that we associate um, with our liturgy, things like an entrance procession, things like Eucharistic processions, or processions with statues of with with statues of Our Lady or statues of the other saints, or this whole notion of processions. Where does that come from? When you look in the Old Testament, <laughs> it comes from Israel marching into war. Those were those were all of the processions came from. It came from, you know, God's armies marching around the walls of Jericho and shouting aloud until until the power of God bought the walls down. So right. our, our act of worship in and of itself is intricately connected to the act of spiritual warfare.
2: That's baller. I love it. and I think that that gives such a good uh, connection to what you kind of talked about earlier when I was asking about the tangible aspects of spiritual warfare of just this resistance that we experience to go and experience the sacraments right yeah of just uh, you know what i mean and i think like so many people don't and I'm, I'm trying to remember back to when i didn't really uh correlate those two things because i know for a long time i didn't right when i didn't recognize that the temptation to lust temptation to do yeah. you know all types of evil or to avoid all types of good right and all types of grace to avoid those things i didn't realize for a long time that that was actually spiritual warfare it wasn't until you know, I think prayer, obviously you can't overestimate the the importance of prayer in your life, right? Your personal prayer life, mental prayer, and just kind of growing in that. And just the awareness, the acute awareness that you grow in, as you grow in your mental prayer to start to realize some of that stuff and be like, I, I, you know, I just talked about this on a podcast with Emily um, and our friend Bella. And we're talking about, you know, sexual temptation and we're like, you know, you have these thoughts and you're like, I'm not, I didn't think that, you know what I mean? Just like I've had it in positive ways in my prayer Mm -hmm. time with the Lord. And I've had it in negative ways in times of temptation and lust and deceit and envy and all kinds of stuff where I'm like, where did that thought come from? You know what I mean? Like I didn't even, that was not from within me, but like still just kind of like crept into my mind. And you start to realize exactly what you said. You don't need to pray today or the fear to go back to confession or the fear and worry of
1: people judging you or whatever. The fear that people have going to confession is totally, I'm glad you brought that up. That is one that I, I see all the time because I'll, 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 ha- I'll have good people who come in and you know, and of course the first thing the first thing I say is, well, the first thing I say is welcome. And then the second, that I say the sign of the cross and you know, that I greet the people and say, you know, may the Lord um, you know, help you to make a, to help you to know your sins and to trust in his mercy. And you know, then the person will be a long time since their last confession. And um, which always makes me sad but they'll say like, I wanted to go, I wanted to go. And I just couldn't like, I just couldn't I'm like, what well, I said, what was keeping you back? Like, I don't know, fear, shame. I said, well, I said, "Is this a terrible experience for you right now? Are you are you happy with it?" They're like, "No, this is great. As soon as I come in, it's great." I said, "All right. So, is this abnormal for you? Have you had a bad experience with another priest that, right. that made you not want to go to confession?" I'm like, "No." And so, this just tells me that whatever is keeping people from going to confession is not a flesh and blood because it's it's completely irrational right. that's that's keeping people from uh, from from going to experience God's grace. Why? Because that's the devil. The devil's the accuser. If you remember um, Adam and Eve when they uh, were in the Garden of Eden, we're talking about real spiritual warfare. The serpent tricked yeah. them, right? And they 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 Absolutely. they ate they ate the, the they ate the food. And then what's the next thing they did? They heard God coming. What they do? They hid. They, hit, they right. jumped. They were scared. Uh, God, this was a God who walked with them in the garden every night, and all of a sudden they don't want to face him anymore. And that's why, because that's, that's what the devil does. The devil will first, he tempts us into sin. So, uh, oh, you know, this sin is going to be so good for you. You don't understand. It's going to make you feel good. You're going to be completely fulfilled you know, you're going to, your stress is going to start to melt away. Just, just do this one thing. And then the minute you do that one thing, the minute you cross that line into sin, then the devil tells you what a piece of garbage you are. Yeah. And you experience <laughs> this, you experience this sense of shame and yeah. separation, That's spiritual warfare. And I think so many people don't realize that, Yeah, um, that we're, we're fighting against things that aren't a flesh and blood. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's so big. And I think, yeah, I, I just wish more people would just kind of know that i'm so glad we're talking about this and just starting to realize because when you have that awareness you start to experience some of those things like one you can start praying directly against them right and you start to like call god into those moments Um, but you also like i think if you have any uh, i don't know if it's dignity or or maybe it's pride or uh zeal or courage whatever it might be um but you get pissed off right and like you actively want to do it more like right to me now like I think it's kind of this huge hump you have to come over. Right. And then it almost gets a little bit easier on the other side, because then once you start to realize, like, once you, once you really fall in love with God, you obviously start to hate the works of the devil. And when you hate the works of the devil and you realize that he's actively working against you or your family or your friends, whatever, you like get pissed off and you see that and you're just like, no, I'm going to do it even more now. You yeah. Know what I'm saying. And it's yeah. like, you have that moment. And I've been having sometimes, you know, some of my experiences have been, uh, definitely haven't had my bed set on fire yet <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, right. like the great saints but and hopefully it never does but um and I don't think it will but uh I think you know one of mine has been at certain times in my life of just kind of like being rattled at nighttime and like yeah being caught with yeah. like anxiety or like literally feeling like at times like I'm being like shaken and woken up right you know what I mean yeah. or somebody like yeah. grabbing my foot or something like that and just like yeah that's them. kind of stuff
1: I was kind of alluding to
2: earlier yeah yeah weird moments like that of like yeah. feeling like you know that presence and you kind of have this And I, and oddly enough, you know what I mean? We scheduled this like two weeks ago, but I I literally had this last night and it was like this crazy, um, you know, I I just kind of woke up and I was super tired, right? Super tired. I even took like melatonin before going to bed. So I could like get a good night's sleep. And, and and I just had this kind of waking up and I just kind of felt like there were so many, like almost kind of nightmares, anxiety, just like really like negative thoughts between like, afghanistan and stuff worrying mm. about my life and my ministry and, yeah. and my job and my relationship and all kinds of stuff and i'm just like i don't think any of these you know and like but praise god you know that like i'm down the road enough and have dealt with it enough that i can start to realize i'm like i don't th- like none of these are my thoughts you know what i mean it's so, like i got up turned one of my lamps on and grabbed my <laughs> father ripperger
1: um there you go yeah. Your, your prayer <laughs> books. And... prayers
2: for the lady you know what i'm saying grab my holy water bless myself and just start reading some prayers out loud And we just a like big dude.
1: bottle of holy water by the bed i don't even it's not even a standard holy water bottle because it just won't work it's a bit it's a big <laughs> really a big got, bottle of holy water so you got yeah, the advantage I mean, of being able to make your own at home that, you know, you it, it helps, it helps. I, I have people that come up to me and ask me to bless large quantities of holy water i'm like, hey. I'm not stingy with sacramentals, but 100% in fact, (laughs) if you, if you read the, if you ever read the desert fathers, uh, people like Anthony of the desert and all of these, these, uh, these, these people that would, um, you know, the early, what we call the early hermits of the church, uh, they talked about how demons would come to visit them at night. Yeah. How, and, and I think that's, that's absolutely, absolutely what happens. I I once had a spiritual director he worded me like this for, you know, when those things start happening say, all right, guys, if you want to stay here, that's fine. I'm going to go to bed now. All right. So if you want to, if you want to stay and do all the tricks that you want, you want to keep trying to put bad thoughts in my head, whatever you want to do, I'm going to go to bed now. Okay. It's, really? it's, it's kind of the equivalent of, you know, what do you do with, 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 uh, with petulant children when they're acting up, but it, it is, it is, in those, in those moments precisely where we returned where we, where we need to pray. And, and um, it seems like in all those moments is where prayer is the last thing we want to do is when we're, when we're frazzled, when we're not feeling good, when we're stressed, mm-hmm. um, but that's precisely the aim of the devil is to, is to defeat our prayer life and, and to keep us away from God. So I always say practically, you know, one is, 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 is pray. Um, the rosary is a powerful weapon, a powerful weapon uh, against the powers of darkness. One, I think because it invokes our lady um, and our lady is a very, um, our, our lady is a figure that that's torments the devil. And I, I can say that as I, I'm not an exorcist, uh, I've never been an exorcist, but I've been present and assisted at exorcisms before. And it's always baffling me. And I've heard the testimony from exorcists as well in my, in my research that you know, they say all the saints names, and when they, but when they say Our Lady's name, the, the, the demoniacs will scream, will scream. And I think it's because if you understand the whole um, history of the fall of the devil, the fall of the fall of Satan from heaven—they say it was the moment that God revealed His plan of the incarnation of Jesus—that mm-hmm. that they would be subject to a, to God who is made flesh. In other words, that they would be subject to a human being. And I think the the one who gave Jesus, who gave God His humanity, in a sense, uh, just just freaks them out. So I say one because it invokes Our Lady, but two because the the Rosary—you know—we're supposed to be reflecting on those mysteries. And what are those mysteries? They're the mysteries of our salvation the mysteries by which the devil was defeated and, right. and and rendered completely impotent and so and 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 also what are we saying we're saying the words of scripture uh and and you know not, not just the, the hail Marys, which which is beautiful prayer again again what's it doing it's reminding him of of that moment of the enunciation that's that's when right right away uh when the powers of darkness began to to, to be defeated but also um you know the Our Father. We're being reminded of who we are: is 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 daughters and sons of God. Uh, so I find that to be a, a very powerful prayer. But the the other saint I say to make friends with is not really a saint in the in the sense of a, a human person, and that's Michael the Archangel. Yeah. Um, you know, learn learn that if you don't know that prayer, learn it and pray it every day. We pray it after every Mass here at Saint Elizabeth Seton. Uh, it's it's a, it's it's important to understand that that um, mm-hmm. we deal every day in things that are not flesh and blood, and we can use all the help and all the prayer we can get
2: absolutely no i think that's such a good i think it's such a good reminder i've heard that many times from uh podcasts with exorcists or books or whatever it might be yeah um that yeah just mary is just mary obviously saint joseph um, yeah saint joseph saint, is another one yeah terror saint, of
1: demons he's called
2: yeah legend and so i think it's so interesting and one of my favorite like little quips that i heard at one point in my life was uh as far as like the, the importance of catholicism just in the world and in christianity mm. is yeah uh, you know they always say like when <laughs> i thought this was so funny the first time i heard it but it's like when you if you ever watch horror movies and they need like an exorcism or they think there's a demon or something involved they don't call the the ripped jeans pastor from the megachurch the <laughs> right? they don't I, they I, don't I, call him down to so say <laughs> so it's so funny it's so true though it's, and i i've had
1: i I had a, a, a non-denominational church refer someone to the Catholic priest for an exorcism. No uh, way. I've, I've, I've had that happen. Yeah. It wasn't, it, it wasn't a case that merited a real exorcism or a formal exorcism, a solemn exorcism. I, I called, I called and spoke with, with an exorcist with the exorcist for the place I was at the time. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so that, 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 that really happens. So sometimes, sometimes the, uh, sometimes the Protestant pastors, the what is is calling the Catholic priest because they just, they, they, um they don't know how to deal with this and they uh, it's, it's, it's real stuff. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not relegated to the movies. It's, it's real. And and the more and more um, I think people are becoming aware of this. And it's funny though, but people come to me, Nathan, you know, I get requests for exorcist exorcist quite a bit, exorcisms, excuse me, quite a bit. Really? Um, Yeah, it happens. You know, it's, 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 it's out there in the horror movies, it's out there in the, in the world and uh, people come to me and oftentimes, sometimes, uh, people that come to me wanting an exorcism are often um, mentally disturbed. You know, that's, that's a thing. Mental illness is a real thing. And um, right. and those people also need to be loved by the church and God still wants to give them healing. So I don't dismiss it There are some priests that do, oh, they're crazy. No, they still want, they still need prayers. They still need love. They still need Jesus Christ. In fact, they're hurt and vulnerable and wounded. So maybe they, they need him even more. Right. Uh, so, so we're going to be out there to, to, to reach out and help them. But what I often will tell people is that, look, if you want, Okay, okay, so look, you know, we can talk about if you need an exorcism or not. But the first thing you need to do is go to confession. And they'll look at me like, like confession is more powerful than any exorcism, any wow. exorcism. That's why I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Right. Did you ever see that movie? Huh? I think uh, not, I know what you're talking about. Okay, The Right. It was with Anthony Hopkins. It's, it's an interesting movie, theologically completely inaccurate on a number of levels. Um, some things they get very right. Some things they get very wrong. But there's this whole theme, of course, of the priest fighting good and evil and at the end of this, this whole, there's this whole climactic scene where, where Anthony Hopkins, who is the exorcist himself, becomes possessed. And, you know, this, this guy who's not even a priest yet, technically, I think he's just a deacon, says the prayer of exorcism over him, which makes no sense by I'm saying bad theology. But anyway, the movie ends, though, with this guy, presumably having been ordained a priest, you see him, you know, kissing a stole, putting it around his neck, and going to the confessional. And I'm like, wow, Hollywood actually got something right. Like that's where the real battleground is right there in that box.
2: Yeah. Which again, goes back to what we talked about, why the devil is so eager to keep everybody out of it. Oh yeah. You know? Um, And then the other thing I was just thinking about too, is I think another, obviously huge uh, ploy of the devil is kind of goes back to forgetting about, um, forgetting about the warfare that's going on around us is how many people don't, don't In Satan and, and yeah. just kind of getting people to yeah I mean one of the reasons why do why do people not realize when they're being tempted or they're being tempted to laziness or sloth or lust or whatever it might be now realize that that's the devil well most
1: people don't believe that the devil exists yeah I say that's one thing I'm thankful for uh, I don't think anyone will ever um, accuse Pope Francis of of being too clear and too specific on a number of issues <laughs> however I will say our Holy Father has been so clear so many times about the reality of the devil and and the necessity of of, of understanding that and therefore engaging in spiritual warfare like this this pope believes and and, and teaches and and said boldly several times yeah the devil is real Uh, there, there is a personal supernatural evil out there and we need to be aware of it and in fact not only do we need to be aware of him as christians but we need to be aware that if we're doing our job as christians we engage with that every single day
2: yeah and it's such an interesting thing, you know, like, I think when you're experiencing the, whether it's night terrors or whatever happens, you know what I mean? Of like, it's just been so interesting as I've grown deeper in my relationship with God and my belief in the sacraments and all, you know, belief in scripture and all of those things. It's like, it, it has to, I, I feel like it has to accompany a belief in the devil and a belief in the evil forces around the world. And it's not like this, you know, when I, when I'm up in the middle of the night last night, like it's not, it, it was almost, <laughs> it was really kind of interesting because I was kind of in this like nighttime fog. But it was kind of like so natural for me to be like, yeah, this is very possible. These are just like evil forces that want to like discourage me. They don't want me to sleep well. They don't want me to get up early yeah. and crush it tomorrow like I plan on. And so it's like, uh, yeah, two things, you know, of being like, one, like, yeah, no, I know you're real. I know you exist, which is why I'm going to pray these prayers, because I know you can't do anything. Yeah. You know, once I invoke Mary and St. Michael and yeah. St. Joseph and and Jesus, uh, you're going to have nothing you can do. And then, and my guardian angel. And then it's like, and two... I'm still going to wake up tomorrow. I'm still going to do everything that you don't want me to do. You're not going to stop me from doing this. And just kind of have that mindset. But yeah, it's really interesting how well the devil has convinced people that he doesn't exist or that hell doesn't exist. Hell isn't real. It's just become such like, a, especially among the nuns. You know what I mean? Because you, why would you yeah. fall away from the Catholic faith if you believed in the devil and, and hell?
1: Well, I think that's the biggest part of it, too, is nobody ever wants to talk about hell anymore. No one wants to believe in, right. in the in the danger of hell. No one wants to talk about the, the, uh, about damnation. And, and this is, this is why the gospel has not been preached. Let's be frank. I mean, if we realize that, look, you know, I, I, I closed, I closed the homily day with mass to say that, you know, we need to forget, we, we often forget and we need to remember that without grace we're lost. In fact, without grace we're damned. It's, it's, it's God's grace alone that gives us salvation. It's, it's the blood of Christ alone uh, and his merits purchased for us on the, on the cross that bring us salvation. And, and if we forget that besides that, we don't deserve heaven. Any, anyone who thinks that they have heaven coming to them uh, is, is lost. And the gospel of the world tells us that um, that the road to uh, hell is narrow uh, and the road to heaven is broad and, and easy. Right. That's not what the gospel says. The gospel says that the road to the hell is wide and easy and, and the road to heaven is narrow. We heard today Jesus said it's harder for someone who has riches to pass through the eye of a needle uh, than for a camel to pass the eye of a needle, mm-hmm. than 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 to enter the kingdom of God. In other words, um, it's impossible in our own. But with God's mm-hmm. grace, it's amazing. Now, with all deference to to people who have different views on on salvation and dare we hope and and all of these things, and there's some pretty prominent figures in the church that have um, theologically sound opinions on it. But the the reality is, though, when when people ask this question of Jesus, he said he he didn't answer. He was very vague. He's but he did say to his apostles you strive to enter in through the narrow gate. So in other words, he's saying that for those of us who know, we should we should not take our salvation for granted, and we should be re- relying heavily on that life of grace. And we also have the obligation to tell other people that Christ is the way and the only way uh, to receive eternal life. Right.
2: Yeah. No, it's so important. I think it's really interesting. And you just reminded me of uh, the verse of scripture that another friend that I just had on the podcast recently kept bringing up throughout our episode was, just if the, if the righteous is scarcely saved, you know, what then will be of the, of the sinner and the unrighteous. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's so powerful, you know what I mean, to think about. And I think it's just so good for us. And what we try to do at Seeking Excellence is just create these, these high levels of, of, um, you know, virtue and holiness and and high goals for ourselves. You know what I mean? And really strive to be like, let's legitimately try to be the saints of our time. Let's try to be the St. John Vianney's and St. Padre Pio, St. Joseph's and, you know, that, that really pissed the devil off, Yeah, <laughs> you know, wake up these evil forces. And it's amazing how in my own life, even recently, right. As I've tried to get more prepared for marriage and really just buckle down again, after a lot of moving and transition, and really getting my prayer life back intact and really getting back into, you know, my groove with seeking excellence and my job with hallow and, uh, you know, just really trying to fight against uh, a lot of sin in my life and, mm. um, just growing in, in so many different ways. It's like, now, all of a sudden, weird, you know, now there's this anxiety and these like night terrors and all these different weird things that are happening. And it's like, yeah, that's really good. But it's amazing uh how in the midst of all of that, my grace, how your grace increases as well. You know what I mean? Because I think it's easy to think if you're on the outside of that to be like, well, you try to do you try to do good and then bad things happen. And it's like you just have to push through a little bit. Right. Like God wants you to show a little bit of perseverance, a little bit of fortitude, a little bit of heart. And then it's like his grace is just crazy and how it abounds, and Amen. how much you have to withstand that.
1: Oh yeah, you make you make you make one you make one good decision uh, to follow the Lord, and, and it it just and then all of a sudden he reminds you, just like I said, that, you know, um, he's got this. You know, here's the mark difference. We, actually I didn't talk about this, but I'll, as we kind of start wrapping up, this is a good thing to go to. You talk about this this idea of, of being a soldier. Uh, in Afghanistan and and the first time you heard the sirens you're like this is real and um, I love that you share that first of all it's so human and good for us to hear that soldiers experience fear and like you 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 experience that moment of 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 trepidation but here's the thing is you had every right and every reason um, to 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 experience that in Afghanistan because you didn't know the outcome of that day and that's I think that's the that's the fear that the the soldier always experienced soldier doesn't know he's going to live to see tomorrow like he does not know the outcome of that day but as soldiers for jesus christ we do know the outcome the outcome is victory the outcome is resurrection and that no matter what kind of stuff the devil or anything in this world throws at it throws at us it's never going to have the final say it's never going to have the last word uh it's you know the last word is always going to be victory uh jesus christ i tell my people i said look you can read the scriptures please do read the scriptures but i'll give you a spoiler alert you can you can skip all the way to the end we win we win. The church <laughs> of God is triumphant. The saints of God overcome. We are cleaned by the blood of the, the, the blood of the Lamb and, and Jesus Christ leads us to victory. That's right. We win. So we can always take joy in that fact. And that's what I love is when we when you have those moments where you decide to do the right thing and you can just, it's almost like you can feel like you just make that decision to push forward. It's almost like the angels, you know, kick in behind you and just and, and help help you make that final shove that you need. It's 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 amazing to see the way grace outpours like that. Absolutely. It's
2: so good. You know what I mean? And, and it is just, you know, there's this testing period and it's not just once in your life, but oftentimes, you know what I mean? That, uh, yeah, God just, just is refining you and, and is making you stronger and is giving you the grace and, and just, it's, a, it's an incredible journey, obviously, as you know, um, but it's so fun. We just want to encourage people to just take the next step. And especially today, I think if there's one big takeaway from today's podcast, it's
1: you probably need to go to confession hey do it uh when in doubt go to confession uh you know receive receive the power of, of jesus in the eucharist uh, you know because i i think that there's so many of so many of us aren't experiencing the fruits of of the eucharist because we're not disposed to receive our lord and holy Communion. Mm-hmm. and and so the um so i don't think the devil works nearly as hard at keeping people from mass if, as he does at keeping the way from confession because if um wow. if you're not if you're not in a state of grace you're not receiving any of the graces anyway uh but if you're in a state of grace you know, then you're receiving know, all the graces yeah. from the Blessed Sacrament, from the power of the, of the, of the Holy Eucharist. So, That's yeah. so real. Hashtag truth, hashtag facts. <laughs> 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 I love it. That's so good.
2: Well, great, Father. Thank you for sharing that, especially about confession. Because I think it's always good for people to hear uh, from the priest's perspective. You know, I yeah. think it's easy to fall into the devil's lies and the traps about your case is going to judge me or father's going to hate me or what are they going to say? What are they going to think? And it's like, dude, it's amazing to me. I always say, you know, there is definitely a little bit of pride wrapped up in thinking that
1: you're so special,
2: yeah, that your sins are going to stand out in two hours of confession lines, or
1: you know what I mean. Yeah. Like my boy, my boy, Father Michael Nixon, uh, he's a, a priest here in Florida and Pensacola, and he, he, uh, I, I once heard him say he compares it to, you know, we're basically like God's garbage men, you know, when it comes to confession, right. and I don't think any sanitation engineer goes home at the end of the day and says. I had the most disgusting piece of trash today or like where they can really remember like which piece of trash, like no one which sends it interesting as the they think they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. It's so it's true. So
2: good. So true. Yeah. That's awesome. So- well, good father. So tell us where can people find you? I know, you, you know, I think this is great today. So tell us where we can find you on YouTube and stuff like that, your YouTube channel. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the best thing to do is to follow uh, our parish YouTube channel right now, and that's the word Seton, like St. Elizabeth Seton, S-E-T-O-N, Naples, N-A-P-L-E-S, Seton, Naples, two words, and that's where you can find all of our parish live streams, and then usually by about midweek, we've isolated, isolated the homily, and people kept telling me I need my own YouTube channel, my own podcast, I keep going to do that sometime soon, maybe I can do that in the Four hours that I waste sleeping every night. Uh, no, God is good. I'm. I, I get plenty of. I get plenty of rest. God's good to me. That's but yeah, amazing. I hope you guys can connect. Reach out.
2: Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. And I mean, in the meantime, until you have your own podcast, you're always welcome
1: to come back here. I hope to do more episodes with you in the future. Anytime, Nathan. For sure. For sure. Now that now that we have a system in place, we'll uh, we'll, 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 we'll we'll get <laughs> it. Right. We'll get it <laughs> no, done. No, now we
2: get on the schedule. That's amazing. So schedule. absolutely. So I, I think I told you this when I interviewed. Um, But I went to Mount St. Mary's. You obviously had a huge, uh, the shrine to St. Elizabeth Ann Seaton was there. So she definitely always holds a special place in my heart. Um, And is one, a saint that I call upon oftentimes. um, She's awesome. Yeah, she's just just super great. So again, thank you, Father, so much for, for everything you do as a priest and for coming and joining me today. I really appreciate it.
1: All right. God bless you, Nathan. Take it easy. See ya.